I want to look at a couple scriptures when when I when I'm when I teach on healing. Uh, I know I know there's a lot you can teach on healing. There's a lot out there actually, and and it's not that I'm against it. I wouldn't tell you that I'm against it. There's just a lot out there. Uh, I'm very super simple when it comes to healing. Like I, I think I just think super simple, and. I feel like we can get so caught up with so much that it gets so complex and then I think we're playing too much of a part in our minds. And, and the part we're to play is be responsible to lay down our life and commune with Him. That's, that's, that's actually what I, if I owe the world anything, I owe the world to give my life to Him in intimacy so that I know Him and can rightly represent Him by revelation. Do you understand? It's not to just read, read, read and pray, pray, pray so that when I touch somebody they're healed. It, you can get so caught in works with healing and so caught up in you. And I think that happens to us a lot. And that's why people's identity struggle. They get discouraged, back off. That kind of thing. If I ask you to show your hands who's gotten discouraged in the way of healing at times or frustrated, probably a lot of people would raise their hands. What, what gets me discouraged and frustrated sometimes is I know he paid the price. <laughs> and, I, and I see somebody suffering and I just want to see him better. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Who's ever felt that? It's like, ah! but But honestly, the way I see the word, it, it, there's no striving. I don't, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't fall into a place of striving where I'm under pressure. And I think a lot of us get under pressure a lot of times and then we're afraid to step out because of what that means if something doesn't happen I just want to talk about faith a little bit I want to talk about healing and we're going to take some time probably and just talk about some things and probably today and maybe even tomorrow but I want you to know I'm a very simple fella in this topic Uh, I personally believe and believe I can back it up clearly with scripture uh, and it's not your prayer it's not my prayer that heals. It's what we believe about what he accomplished. It's us getting in agreement with his will and understanding the yes of God in every situation. So, and I do believe there's giftings of healing. Healing can, can flow through a gift of healing. Uh, don't, I don't lean on that. I, I believe the primary way that, that people are to be healed is faith through the body of Christ. It's just scriptural. It's extremely scriptural. Faith through the believer. And, uh, or the power of God through faith, the believer priesthood, we the church. Uh, thank God for giftings. Sometimes the only level of real healing we see is when giftings are in operation, so we lean on them and wait on them, and if they're not flowing, we're in trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's why a lot of times we... We bring in people that we recognize gifting in and then we rally all the sick together and, and we get that gift to minister to the body. We've done that for a lot of years in the body of Christ. Ever since I've been saved, that's been going on. In fact, when I first got saved, I thought that's what it was to have church. Get somebody, that, that was happening to me in, in the early years of my life, just here in York and, and, and kind of right outside of town and stuff. And uh, I realized what was happening. Uh, gifting, gifting is a beautiful thing. I love the gifts of God. I, I, I like getting supernatural discernment, insight. I like to be in a situation where you just see it and nothing can change it. 
There's gifting like that available. We want that. At the same time, do you believe that Jesus walked in such a revelation that he saw it and nothing could change it? Do you think that came through his relationship or just straight gifting? Relationship. relationship. He's always with the Father. And uh, he, the reason I believe it was relationship is because of the way he instructed us and all the promises he gave. He always gave them to the believer. Not the gifted, the believer. I mean, it's all a gift if you think about it. Just a kingdom's a gift. Righteousness is surely a gift. Just having the Spirit of God in us is a gift, you know? But you and I coming in touch with what He accomplished and what's really on the inside of our spirit, guys, is, I think, one of the greatest quests of our Christianity to really come in tune with what's on the inside of us and understanding its power because it mystifies medical science. There's no explanation for it. I remember being in a room one day and there was an 18-year-old girl who wasn't saved and her kidneys were done. They, she was going to be on permanent dialysis for the rest of her life. And I didn't even know the girl. A backslidden friend called me to go pray for her. And I pastored her a little on the phone. I said, look, I'm not going to be hard on you. You already know this, and you'll probably cry when I say it. And she started crying before I said it. I said, I said what are you doing, honey, with your short and precious life? I said, here's a dear friend in trouble, and the only reason you're calling me is because you feel a million miles from him. And I said, you could go in there and pray for her. I'm going to. I'm not correcting you. I'm not trying to be harsh on you. I'm saying, man, quit throwing away your life because people around you need the Christ in you. And I cheered her on. And you could think that was condemning. She knew it wasn't. She knew my heart. I could get away with it. I, I, I knew what I was saying was from the heart. But I went in to see her friend, and I was fascinated by the dialysis machine. I was just fascinated. I was like, people made this? <laughs> I mean, I, I have a hard time getting a screw in straight, man. <laughs> Dean, I'm telling you. I'm like, they're, they're down here building stuff, and I'm like, huh? How you guys, you're almost tempted. To <laughs> oh, how many times do I say, how do you know how to do this? Just, I have a hard time getting a screw in straight. Serious. I mean, plumbing, I won't touch it. It leaks. <laughs> it's like, help. <laughs> These people made this machine that takes your body fluids. <laughs> I guess it's literally... It's, it's your blood, and it takes out just like a, it's just like a metal bladder. And I'm like watching this, and I'm watching this girl. She's hooked up to this thing, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, and he was just, just pretty much wrapping up what they were doing. I guess with permanent dialysis, you have to do it every so many hours, right? One or two days? Okay. But they were wrapping this thing up. And I just stayed, I just waited till he was done. And he was, I, I walked in right at the end of this whole cycle, which was the timing was just beautiful. She, uh, she's on this machine and I got talking to this guy about the uh, dialysis and he was explaining it to me and I'm like, this is fascinating. I, I was so amazed by it and into it. And he, and he said, so why are you here? And uh, I said, oh my goodness, I'm going to pray for this girl and just pray that, Jesus would come by the power of the Spirit and just thump her uh, bladder and kidneys and make everything work. It was her kidneys, I mean. And uh, make everything work. And, and he's like, oh. And, uh, and I said, I really don't know. Or a friend called. I just came in to pray for her because I heard her situation. It so grabbed my heart. 
And I remember she was so weak she couldn't open her eyes or didn't want to. She couldn't talk. She'd just barely nod her head. I remember when I said her friend's name, you could see emotion come on her. Like, oh. And uh, because her friend was Amanda. And when I said, listen, your good friend Amanda called me. I'm Pastor Dan, okay, honey? And I'm the one that's been talking in your room. And I'm just here to love on you and pray for you. And listen, Jesus really loves you. I just talked to her about Jesus loving her. And and I remember saying Amanda, and I could tell she got emotional. But she was almost like she was just stuck there. And uh, because she had had a situation and her kidneys were done and they said they didn't come back on and they weren't gonna by now if they didn't come back on because it was past the time where they would have and uh, it was just so sweet because medical science is there and they're helping they're doing an amazing thing I was fascinated by it so it's not that they're against the gospel it's just that everything they're doing is natural it's, it's, it's according to man's ability, man's wisdom, which I believe that, that wisdom can come from God. So I do believe that, that, you know, that in that sense. But the supernatural we're talking about today isn't limited to that. It's way beyond that. It's just the power of God that comes and changes things apart from man's ability, man's wisdom, man's technology. And... I, I went over and he was in the room and I kind of forgot, I, I, when I got drawn to her, I kind of, we had a good talk. He, I was like a little kid, really. He gave me, it was like a show and tell session. He, he, I was, you can't imagine how intrigued I was by that dialysis machine. I was just fascinated. And uh, so I'm not against it. I'm not like, oh, well, we don't need the arm of the flesh. Well, you can take that machine and put it in the closet pile because the kingdom's here, baby. You know, it's not like that. <laughs> Christians have done that for years, going in the hospital, and the hospital thinks we're goofy. Because we, we don't need the arm of the flesh, we need the hand of God, and they pray and the people die. It's not about that at all. It's about, man, this is amazing, and thanks for loving this girl, and that is incredible. He turned, I showed him honor, and I was sincerely intrigued. Went over and I prayed for her, and I just remember laying my hand on her forehead real lightly. And just spoke to her kidneys and said, you work. In the authority of Jesus' name, you work. She's not born again. She's not saved. She's laying there, and I could tell she's touched. She's emotional. She didn't open her eyes. She didn't do nothing. I leaned down and I kissed her on the forehead. little pleasant look on her face. And I said, I'll be seeing you. I believe you're going to be fine, honey. And I walked out. I got a phone call. I guess when you're in that condition, I'm just being straight with you. I guess you don't pee when your kidneys don't work. You just don't even pee. You don't even feel like you have to. I could be official and say urinate, but I'm saying pee. Okay? <laughs> pee. You don't pee. So, <laughs> I didn't know who was thinking that. You weren't thinking that. He gives me trouble up here in the front row. <laughs> Watch this. Within hours... She peed. She peed. They watched her for 48 hours because of medical science saying, wait, this shouldn't be happening at this point. They can't just lay there and then all of a sudden work at this point. Because apparently there was a time frame, because she was in there for over a week, and she's on this machine. And they gave up on her kidneys. That's when Amanda called me crying or all upset. And, and then she really cried when I talked to her about her life. Because, see, here's the truth. 
And this isn't condemning. Catch this. Amanda has the same privilege I do. Now you could say, yeah, but Dan, there's gifting. I would encourage you to, to, to let that one rest and just hear what I'm saying. Amanda, you, me, all have the same privilege of the kingdom. We all have the right to believe. And this isn't preached that much. In fact, it's usually contested. It's usually, it's usually taken out of context. Well, one has this gift, one has this gift, one has this gift. So the one that has the gift of healing, that's just get him in on everybody's situation, get him to lay hands on everybody. That is not the kingdom of God. Now I'm going to show you in the Word. Amanda has the same honor, the same privilege of spending time with the Father and knowing the finished work of the Son through intimacy, letting faith rise through love through a clear conscience, through a clear, healthy identity, and then looking and seeing her friend through the eye of God. Walking in and saying, kidneys, you work in Jesus' name. Amanda has the same exact privilege. That's why I talked to her the way I did. We all have that same privilege. We all do. Where we get in trouble is when somebody gets those kind of results, we say, whoa, they're in tight with God or they got something special. Or they got... This pastor that invited me this last weekend to his church to teach on healing, when he saw the lady's knees healed six weeks before, when, when I was on my way out, he said, man, this is special. Not everybody's walking with this, brother. This is a special gift. He said, I've been a pastor for 20-some years and I've never seen anything that, that sudden. That He said, man, he said, you, you got a touch on your life. You're walking with a gift. And I said, well, actually, pastor... Uh, no offense, I'm not trying to... It's, it's not a gift. What I just moved in wasn't a gift. I got your congregation member to pray. I didn't even pray. It's not a gift. It's a believing thing. It's the finished work of Christ. And he said, would you please come back and teach on healing? So that's what I did on Sunday. And uh, it was just neat. So I want you to... I, I want you... If you're, if you're taking any kind of notes, this is the first thing necessary... In my belief, and I'm, we're going to look at the scriptures, but this is, this is, I'm just talking out of my heart today. And uh, you have to settle the will of God to heal, period. It is the will of God to restore humanity, period. You have to settle on that. You can't even have a tiny question on that. It is always His will to heal, and everybody, all the time. Now that will make people really hostile in the church when you talk like that. Because they've prayed for people who haven't seen the answers and they've resigned to the will of God or reconciled to the will of God. There's a strong reason I'm saying this and I want you to bear with me this morning. If I don't have that first thing right there that I just said settled and established in my heart, I can never believe. I'm always wondering. And it forces me into a method or, hey, let's try it and see what happens. Worst can happen is nothing in the sense of that we're actually expecting either or. When we say the worst can happen is nothing to a person on the street, we're not expecting nothing. We're just saying that to them to get them to understand they have nothing to lose. But we're not actually saying, hey, let's give it a shot and see what God does. That's not faith. Who hears faith in that? Who did you see Jesus say to, well, let's give it a whirl, man? <laughs> He says, what do you want me to do for you that I might receive my sight? Then see. That's a pretty big deal. Get up. Take your bed and walk. Stretch forth your hand. If he's not settled on the will of God, he's not going to talk that direct. 
True? He's going to pray to God and seek God or pray certain things over. One thing, one thing that I, I think we do, we're not always settled. Uh, even if we're settled on the will of God to heal, we're, we're still bouncing around, will He heal through me? And when I pray. So then we get caught trying to pray more spiritual and say certain things that get God stirred up. Whoever found themselves trying to pray the right prayer? Probably everybody, if we were honest, would we ever pray for the sick? I know I've done it, man, and I'm like, it's not even about the right prayer. Because God forbid you think you pray the right prayer and something happens and then you're like looking for the right prayer again and again and thinking if it didn't happen, you didn't pray right. I love David Hogan. One of the first times I heard him, he said the first person he raised from the dead saw raised from the dead. He said, you get all these questions. How long did you pray? What did you pray? And he said, what does it matter? He said, I was probably wrong. That was so liberating to me when I heard him say that. He said, what does it matter what I prayed? He said, I was probably wrong. He said, but there's this thing called mercy. (laughs) He said, he said, it's the name of Jesus. He said, it's what he's accomplished and what he finished. That's why the boy raised. It doesn't have nothing to do with what I prayed. He said, but he said, the church is, what did you pray? They want what did you pray? What did you pray? And then they go out and try to pray that same thing as if that's where the power is. No, it's what you believe. It never says what you pray. It says what you believe. Daniel. Yeah, with, with, with the perspective of, well, it might be his will or not, we, there, there's a contradiction in that, too, where even if we get ourselves to a place where we fully believe, then there's always that chance that he just might not want to do it. Right. So it's kind of like, so we get ourselves to believe, and now we have this problem, and he just doesn't want to do it. Um, right. Which creates a big difficulty. A big difficulty. Yeah. Did, could you hear what he's saying? He said, you know, there's this contradiction. Even if we, if we say we believe it's his will to heal, even at the same time there could be, well, this little chance that maybe he won't. Or if you don't see something moving, that's another good point. If, you, if you're praying and you don't see something changing, you could have that on reserve. Well, I guess he's just not going to do it or just doesn't want to do it or if it's just not the time. And all of a sudden all these factors start kicking in intellectually, human wisdom, based on what you're experiencing or not experiencing. And then it puts the will of God to heal right now in question. That has to be settled in your heart. Like when I go pray for the sick, in my heart, it's, it's always right to pray for the sick. It's, now's the time. Yesterday was okay. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? It's just time to pray for the sick. It's, it's not about looking for the timing. The time for salvation is now. The day has come. Okay? Joan. Um. The last day when we went to pray for Consuela, Consuela and Regis and Dean and I went uh, around the trailer for, for Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. That seventh day when we would go over. I was so nervous. I just asked the Lord, what do you want me to say? I don't have the words. I mean, this is huge. This is our seventh day. This is the seventh time that we would go around the trailer and Consuela and I knew that this was the truth of what we would do. And God just, he just spoke to me fast and furious, not furious, but with, with a lot of emotion. And he was angry and he said, this, as, as beautiful as what Brooklyn is, and all of our loved ones that we pray for, as wonderful as they are, everybody deserves to live. No one deserves to have cancer. He said, it's not about that or people wouldn't die. It's about me. It's 
about what I've done for Brooklyn. I've paid the price. That's exactly what you said. I've yeah, paid well, the price. That's what I teach. What I teach is what gets somebody what what gets somebody up out of a place like that is his love for them through Jesus Christ. It's what he accomplished through Jesus Christ. Period. That's what I believe with all my heart. Sometimes the aggression comes in you by the spirit. You can pray. There's times you're very soft and subtle. Sometimes it's people we're closely connected to and it's actually more sympathy and empathy that's poured out of our emotion than than even the heart of God and the love of God. It's the value we have for that person. So we're praying real, because it's, and sometimes we're just emotional and we just, and I've been in that place. I'm not saying it stops God, but the human empathy side, I'm not convinced is what moves God. The human empathy, human sympathy thing. That's not the same as as the godly compassion we see. Some of it is even self-tendency and self-serving. It's just about us and our loved one. And uh, I was up in New Life for Girls, and a girl said about her sisters and not agreeing with her, and they don't want to talk to her now. And she said, there was a time I'd be devastated, and I'm actually okay. And I'm thanking God my heart's not really hard. And the one counselor said, you're just growing, honey. You're getting more secure in Christ, etc. It's not that you don't love your sisters and, and, and disregard them, but they're, they're not the influence of your life anymore in that way. And then the other girl spoke up, just a student spoke up and said, you know, I think we need to admit how unhealthy... Our love for family is almost all the time. It's so unhealthy. We call it love and it's so unhealthy. And, and she is so right if we get on that topic ever. It's just so right. What we call love is so unhealthy. It's, it identifies us. It's mostly for us. It's all this. And what this girl was doing was she was getting formed in Christ and formed in love to where her sisters weren't dominating her life anymore. If you have a loved one that's sick... There's so many other motivations in your emotions, what you're calling faith. I mean, who wouldn't pray if you have any sense believing there's God, there's a God? Who wouldn't pray with passion if your best friend's dying? But not everybody's getting up. So we have to face this thing that not every prayer is faith. Not every prayer is coming from a revelation. It's usually driven by need. It's usually driven by need and it's usually a desperate cry in agreement with what the Word says which what makes what we make it think, it makes us think it's right and it's faith because the Word says it so we're quoting the Word. We're great at quoting the Word that way. But it's coming from a lot of the wrong places. Like Jesus wasn't like, oh my God. You know, and run into the situation. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. It was Peter's mother-in-law. Like, Your mother-in-law? Oh my God, not your mother-in-law, come on. <laughs> it wasn't like that, <laughs> you know? And uh, Because every situation, as much as it would be your own daughter or Brooklyn, God sees every situation the same, and He heals through the finished work of Christ Jesus. Period. Period. You've got to lock in on that. We've got to lock in on that. But will God meet us? Like if you have a newborn, or, you know, somebody that's new in Christ that just barely has a revelation of healing. And you kind of stumped me one day a few weeks back with kind of the same thing because I thought, you know, we, we are taught to pray scripture. Mm-hmm. And if we're pl- praying it from the position of faith that we're in at that moment, will God honor that prayer? There's God, God is so merciful, dear. I... I I've seen him do things when everything was wasn't when, because it's not works, it's God. But if you're sincere and you're pure, but there's a time that we need to learn and grow. In other words, God won't enable you to just stay in a desperate cry. 
when you're called to move in authority and live without fear and live without worry? Is there a time in your life where you're doing the best you understand and have been taught and to where you've grown and you got thrown into crisis? Yeah. But actually, we talked in the school a while back, hear and do, and when the storms come. There's always periods of grace, if you look at the word, where God's giving you a, a, a window to be formed in truth. For me, he's, not letting, he's just not letting you be overtaken. He's not just letting you get saved today and then crushed tomorrow. You see what I mean? But there is a place to grow up into Him in all things to the full measure of the stature of Christ. So, will God? Yeah, some of these things are, some of them I've seen, they, they almost seem just sovereign, merciful, just moves of God. Do you know what I mean? Somebody will take their baby and they're in despair. And they'll just cry, Oh God! And the baby just get made whole. You know what I mean? And so we're not saying it's wrong to have a heart cry, but that heart cry, it's, it's coming out of the depth of love, the depth of that person, whatever God moved. But you and I, if you look at Scripture and you look at Jesus' life, we're not called to lift up every cancer patient in a desperate cry to God. We're to speak to the mountain and the mountain move. We're to move in authority. So there's a place to grow. Man. On the other side of that uh, question, for the simple fact that people that are totally unschooled and unlearned and just got saved like Africa or whatever, you know, missionary seeds in heaven, uh, to people that are new following the Lord, they just believe and they go out for miracles. So. There's such an innocence. It's incredible. I forget his name. I don't know. Who ever heard of this, that fellow that was evangelizing the steep North Africa areas, the steep mountains and all them, the villages that were still primal and barely dressed? And, and he, was, uh, he found one page out of the book of Acts. Acts 8. He found one page out of the book of Acts. And on the bottom of the page, Philip got translated after baptizing the eunuch. And, and he was reading this page of the Bible it, it might have even been the book of Acts. He might have found the book of, of Acts, of chapter 8. It was, it, he had 8 there because it was Philip, Samaria, signs, wonders, Christ, and then the eunuch, and he got translated. When these missionaries found him, he had all these northern tribes evangelized and born again. And these mountains were ridiculous. And these guys were like, how could you possibly get to these villages in this amount, of, like in a year's time? And evangelize all these people by yourself like this with just walking around. How could you possibly even do this? He said, well, what do you mean? And he, they said, well, he said, well, he said, God just takes me there. Isn't that how Christians go? <laughs> me and Todd talk about that all the time when we're driving. For five, six hours, we're like, dude, we need to grow. Because if we would grow, we could save all this time, all this driving. We could like kiss our wives and say, see you Thursday. No airport. But uh, you know, then you want to pass through airports because of people and stuff. But the whole driving down the road thing could change. He was going. God would take him to a village. And then he had an amazing manifestation. It was innocence. It was just he didn't know any better. See, a lot of our Christian walk is getting restored back to innocence. Back to your mind getting renewed. Back, serious, back to innocence. When you hear the word babes and children, always connect it to innocence in the Bible. The reason we're to become like children, it doesn't mean to you know, act childish or anything. It's not about, it's, it's about innocence. Children are innocent. Babes, innocent. 
There's a place of innocence that was lost in the garden and what was, what was actually what was actually clothed and covered with the glory of God became naked and ashamed and obvious and all that. And I mean, just look how the world's become, the loss of innocence. I <laughs> preached in a, a Methodist church of senior citizens. The whole place is almost senior citizens. I was talking about how we've lost our innocence and how, you know, the gospel and how Adam and Eve, and I said, right now, if all you girls' clothes would just boop, and the, these older ladies were looking at me like, <laughs> I said, you'd be grabbing hymnals and Bibles, and you'd be like, ah! Why? Because our innocence has been... So there's something we see now through nakedness and private parts. And I was trying to explain them. And they were on edge for a little. God came and bailed me out and did some supernatural things because I think I was in trouble. They were, did he just say that in our church? It was funny. And that was, the, that was actually the church where I preached. I don't know if you ever heard it on the Righteousness CD about when I got... When I got conceived, my mom, my dad, and did you ever hear that? That's the church I preached that in, the Methodist church. And they were like holding on to the pews. And uh, it was pretty something. So uh, I don't know why I got to know that. But uh, let's, let's look at something here. Let's, let's look at a scripture. Thank you, God. Let's go to Luke. Nope, we're going to scroll. Let's just do this. Let's start in Matthew. And let's go to Matthew 10. So what I... There's a, there's a lot to lay the, the, the foundation of, of, of what we're talking about. There's a lot you can say. Was he? <laughs> Matthew 10. So we have the same spirit. When he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness, <coughs> all kinds of disease. Then he names these gentlemen. Tells them to go into the way of the Gentiles, do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. <coughs> and as you go, preach saying... The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's amazing. Remember when John the Baptist came and he preached, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist preached that, right? Now Jesus is affirming that to his disciples that they're to go preach that. That means it's within reach. It's here. Repent means change the way you think. So John the Baptist is saying, Hey guys, let's change the way we're thinking because God's kingdom's really here. It's here. That changes everything when we get a hold of this. That one thought lets you walk in a hospital room where there's a dialysis machine, which is amazing, and it's going to keep that girl alive. And it's going to keep her alive. It's an inconvenience. She's going to have to have it every what? Three, to, three times a week? Three times a week for the rest of her life, but it's going to keep her alive. It's pretty amazing. It's a big chunk of metal doesn't work as her kidney. It's fascinating to me. Isn't God amazing? What he can do in a little package and they have to get the big machine. <laughs> well, well, here's what's amazing. What's amazing is, get this, kidneys you work. Oh my God. 
Come on. Kidneys, you work. In Jesus' name, you function the way God made you to. Honey, I believe you're going to be okay. That sounds so ridiculous to the human mind. Jesus is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, the gospel's the power of God. Right? I'm, 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 saying, I'm saying this. A human being standing saying, kidneys work. Oh, okay. Come on, put yourself into the rational mind of man, just human intellect. You guys know what I'm saying, and you're all pursuing what I'm saying, so it makes sense to say kidneys work, but really think about it. Kidneys, you work. It sounds like words. It just sounds like a method. It sounds like, no, it's the power of God. It's the authority of heaven that's putting things back in place, back in alignment. It's, it's, it's God's wisdom speaking into a situation and realigning things to the way they're created to be, all because Jesus died and rose again. That's incredible! <laughs> it's worth pursuing. It's not time to get discouraged and overwhelmed and disheartened. It's time to be encouraged to pursue such a revelation in our hearts that we speak that and it happens. It's not magic. It's the power of God. He's real. And He lives where? In us. That's why identity is so important. That's why union and communion with Him is so important. That's why this is so important because the bigger He gets this way, the bigger you'll see He's in you. It just all goes hand in hand. Mary? Uh, what I was going to say was like uh, last Sunday, I'm sorry, Sunday before, uh, went to the hospital to see Jim for James, my passport. Yes. And um, it was Penny and I and my husband family. And we went in, and you know he, he's on. We said anything, nothing by mouth, and he you know, wasn't opening his eyes and everything. And went in, and just and there was no like, there was no like fear or praying from a perspective of pure all up. From, from, it was totally from the heart of God, you know, just laying hands on him and, and commanding things to to be back to normal as though it never happened with his brain. He had a massive stroke that could, that caused a major bleed in his brain. That was the first one, and he had numerous ones after that. So we just commanded the restoration in his body, you know. And when he passed, I was shocked. I was not discouraged. I was shocked. You know what I mean? Because like I had this. Because when I pray, I, it's almost like the place. It, it, I don't need. To, I guess not to say it the wrong way, but there's like with the relationship and the covenant, there's an expectation that when I pray, because the Lord says I've given you all authority, that when when I pray or whomever's praying, that you expect to see life. And it was interesting because as I'm laying hands on him and praying for him, I had his right hand, which was very his right side was the side that still had any kind of strength. Okay. And he was gripping my hand for all it was worth. And, and I, I really believe that the Lord did touch him at that, at that place. Well, the key is you can't pray for anybody without nothing happening. Something's happening. But the key is we're going for restoration. And, okay, and, and, and for a split second I thought what you were talking about earlier. Was there something I, like, was there something I missed or whatever? And it was just like... 
just pray directly to the situation. Like, speak to the mountain. The mountain will, you know, just be direct to the point and, you know, don't mince words about it. Just this is, you know, this is the authority that God's given me. He looked perfectly fine when I left there. Mm-hmm. You know, had beautiful skin tone and color. Mean, there was no evidence of anything that would even suggest leaving. Um, leaving you know, change neighborhoods, whatever you want to call it. But when his his daughter went in Wednesday morning and he was ripping the leads out, well, he pulled the leads several times. And I had, I, I would, since that, knowing that he had the ability to rip the leads out, the main pick line and all that stuff, made me question, and it still does at other times, even looking back, there was people to pray for and the same, had the same result, where I'm like, we have a will. And sometimes I I think about, did he will himself? There's a very precarious question. Let me address it, if you you, uh, will. Can I address that? Not that that should supersede the power of God. Here's the deal. It's it's real easy, and I'm not correcting Mary, because sometimes these things come into play. I could tell you two stories that are just absolutely bizarre, and I watched them with my eyes, and just I was like, God. I mean, I, I saw a man wake up one night from a coma. He was supposed to die. And he met Jesus while he was in the coma. He was truly born again the week before. I got a word of knowledge in the way there. He's never saved his whole life. He was dying of a cancer. He's in a coma. And they said, he'll never wake up. He'll die. He wakes up out of this coma when everybody left the house. He looks at his wife. His eyes are sparkling. She called me and said, I want you to know. She says, Daryl passed. And I'm like, oh, it's that same thing. Being shocked isn't a bad thing. You want to get in a place where you are so sure they're going to be healed that if they're not, you're actually shocked. A lot of times when they die, we're like, man, because we kind of, as we're praying, we're feeling like they're going to die. Who's ever done that? I've done that. I've, been, I've done all this, okay? <laughs> really. And it's still, it's still just sorting through and growing. But, but the deal is this. You don't want to be so shocked that you put everything in the place of faith and God must have chose something else or something else must have happened and you come up with some reason why they didn't get healed because, hey, I prayed the prayer of faith. You have to be careful you're not so shocked that you start coming up with a reason why they didn't get restored. Because the bottom line is, I say to the mountain that moves, watch this, when you revert to somebody's will and say, well, you know about the free will, I hear that when that's the number one that I hear. Well, people have a will. People that have been sick for 10 years and suffering in pain don't even have the, 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 the free will you think they do. They can't even think clear enough to know if they want to live because of the, all the pain of the last 10, 12 years. It's not about the will at that point. It's about getting restored. Because if they are instantly restored and all the pain leaves and their body's whole, you better believe they'll want to live. The only reason they don't want to live is all they can relate to is the suffering. So to put it on somebody's will or put it on their past. This man woke up. He looked at his wife. He had never been romantic, expressive, or or, uh, cuddly with his wife. I don't know what words. I'm just talking, just romantic, just cuddly, just, you know. It's not that they didn't have... you know, sexual contact probably, it was just that he just didn't express feelings to his wife at all. Their whole marriage, 30 years, some years. He looked at her, told her how beautiful she was, that he met with Jesus, 
His eyes are sparkling. She, she was overwhelmed on the phone telling me he died. I'm thinking in the phone, he died. Because I was so sure he was going to live on this one. I was like, yeah, we got this thing. I just was sure. I rallied the family. I had them from all different. And we prayed and I was just watching this thing. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And when we all walked out of the house, isn't it amazing? When the last person left, he woke up. He held her in bed all night. Nothing sexual. Caressed her hair, told her how much he loved her and how he failed to see her value all these years, but wanted her to know how sorry he was, if any neglect, and I love you. And he kept kissing her on the forehead and he's holding her and they're talking about salvation and how real Jesus is and da da da. And I'm thinking, just get up out of bed. And live your life victorious in him and just tell the whole world he's amazing. And, 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 and they're in bed and she said at five in the morning, she, this is from eight at night to like five in the morning, seven at night. They're in this place. She said, you know, honey, I am so fulfilled to know and look in your eyes and know where you are right now in the Lord. And you've seen him. You've been with him. I don't even know why you would want to stay. And, 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 and this sickness has taken such a toll. And on the phone, she's talking and my mind's going, no, no. I'm, I'm like, I'm going bananas. But at the same time, I'm hearing what she's saying. She's being so, she is so sincere. And she is so overwhelmed with this whole thing. She looked at him and she said, this was the greatest night of my life. There are no regrets. There are no wantings. There are no... If you want to close your eyes and go be with Him, I will not mind. I'll be happy for you. And da-da-da-da-da. He looks at her and says, Really? Because he's thinking this experience was amazing with Jesus. And I'm going, No! Don't hear this wrong, but he's got the rest of his life <laughs> to do that. Get out of bed. <laughs> Be that husband to her for 20 more years. <laughs> Leave a legacy and then go. Stop talking like that. That's how I'm thinking, right? I'm on the phone. I am falling apart. <laughs> she said, and Dan, and she's whimpering. She says, the most beautiful thing. She said, we hugged, we kissed. He closed his eyes and he went to be with Jesus. Like in seconds. And I'm like, okay. It's a beautiful, oh, romantic story, but I'm not totally there. And I'm like, oh, well, God bless you. Oh my goodness, that's me. I hung up. I'm like, ah. There was another lady in the hospital in Harrisburg didn't want us to come and pray because this is a good thought about the will thing. Six months before, she got born again. Nine months. And came to the service on a Sunday night and got born again and healed of terminal cancer completely. They couldn't find a trace. Prayed for her. The presence of God came over and just enveloped her. She never experienced anything like that in her life. She was undone. Months goes by. Life, life poke and pull and prod. And she's... Not, she's far away, she's not staying real connected, and she starts sliding out of this experience instead of pursuing and growing in it. Now it's nine months later, or six to nine months later, I don't know details, but we found that she was in the hospital, that this other cancer came back and was ravaging her body. 
when we were on our way to the hospital, she called the cell phone of the guy I was with and said, please don't come. I don't want any visitors. We went anyway. We went to the door. Please do not disturb. Da, da, da. This patient doesn't want any visitors. See the front desk. Two nurses are walking by. So we said, what's going on with this? Uh, you know, I'm a pastor, and this is a relative, a nephew, and we came to, oh, just go in. So, okay, we went in, and she said, I, I told you I didn't want, and she looked a little upset at us. I remember slipping off my jacket and saying, it's okay, honey, we love you, look, we care. Came over and I grabbed her hand, and she just started crying. She said, I don't want to be healed. She said, I can't live this life. I am so afraid of missing him, backsliding. I've been abused my whole life, and da-da-da-da. And I'm like, honey, that's the natural reality. But listen, I'm trying to talk to her. Dan, I don't want to be healed. I don't want to be healed. I just want to go. I don't want to be healed. She said, I just want what I had back when you prayed for me at your church. And I was the most, and she's born. I just want that. That's all I want. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Honey, you can live that. And I'm like, listen, sh- we're just going to pray, okay? She's like, okay, because I'm thinking she's irrational, she's overwhelmed, she's got issues from the past, she's got all kinds of stuff. Let's just pray, let God come, and things get, usually get pretty clear. So we prayed for her, and she literally, oh, oh. And I said, yeah, come on, Holy Spirit. I said, that's the love of God. And I'm figuring, man, in that kind of touch... Cancer is done. She's going to get fine. Then we're going to be able to pour into her, stay with her, and keep her rolling. Kissed her. She's eyes closed. She's making little whimper noises. Made it sure she was all discreet and sheets all up on her and stuff. And we slipped on out of there. And she's just laying there with Jesus. So I'm pumped. Drive home. I get home. The nephew calls me. Half hour later, she's passed. And I'm like, what? He took such a blow from that that he actually backslid for a while, the nephew. The sister walked in, said she was glowing, shining like a light bulb. She said, honey, what is going on in your face? And she said, Jesus so loves me. And I'm thinking, yeah, get up. <laughs> He's so merciful. Her, it's fear. It was fear. Fear of living her life because all she knew was abuse. All she knew was her weakness. All she knew was even though he touched her and loved her, she still spiraled. She was afraid to live the Christian life. She was all, but yet she sincerely wanted this and honored Jesus and all this. Watch what happened. So emotional. Her sister said, what's going on? Uh, Dan and so-and-so were in to pray for me and Jesus came. He's here. He's here. Says he's here. She's just crying and she's glowing. She said, please sing my favorite song. Please just sing my favorite song. She took her hand and she sat on the bed and said, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's her favorite song. This girl's from, from childhood. And sis knew that. Please sing my favorite song. She just starts singing it. She says, for the Bible tells me so. And her sister went and was gone. Absolutely bizarre. <laughs> it's like God honored that. <laughs> 
I was going bananas. Do I believe that, that it had to be that way? No, I believe that's, there's actually weakness in that, but God honored that. There's actually fear in the unknown in that. Dean. I used to get migraines, and one day I had a migraine. and just stopped praying, praying. And Carol, she was out in the Seven Valleys. I was talking to her on the phone, and it was going like, like two hours. And we were stopping over within 10, 15 minutes. And Carol, was, I didn't know she was out in Wyoming. She was praying and praying. They weren't leaving. They were so intense. She said, how about we sing a song? I said, okay. She said, what song do you want me to sing? I said, I don't care. I'm in pain. Sing something. <laughs> Just like that, I lost it. And the only thing song I could remember was, Jesus loves me, this I know. Said that, sang that five times. <laughs> Boom. See, you have to understand it's a heart revelation. So he sings that. That triggered something in him. That gets his heart in contact in the face of the pain. What we, what we do in the church is this. If you want to be healed, just sing a song. So I just share a testimony. Dean has a viable testimony of it. But you have to realize is what the song does is it connects you with revelation. It connects you with truth. It connects you with Father's love. What we do is we take these experiences, write books on them, blueprints on how to be healed and say God does it this way and now we're singing favorite songs to people it's not like that they're heart things that's 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 a great testimony it's true it's viable and it's real it's not a method the first experience I ever had with a demon spirit in a person I was barely saved but people looked up to me and thought I was confident and they didn't realize I had never cast out no devil but they were singing and worshiping in a house and a devil manifested in a lady and she's on the floor in a fetal position and they call me and I'm in boldness. Well, put the phone over her. That thing has to leave, the Bible says. Because I honor the word of God. I'm praying and I'm hearing this thing snarl and scream and she says, would you just get over here? And she hangs up the phone. So I go over and, and here's this girl. I love this testimony. I don't know if I ever told this to, to you guys, but I don't tell it a whole lot because it sounds like I'm, 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 I'm talking about myself a little bit, but I'm not. It, 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 it really did a lot of good for me. It was a row home. I'm saved probably less than a year. I'm definitely saved less than a year. I'm saved about six months. It's a row home. And I don't know if you know the row homes in the city. They have a vestibule when you go in. There's a vestibule and another door. It's just a space. And then a long hall into the main room and usually goes upstairs. That's how most of the city homes are laid out. I lived in one my whole life. And hers was the same way on the other side of town. When I got to the house, this girl is curled up in a ball on the floor. And she's just like a fetal position, hiding. I got in the vestibule and the girl couldn't, she's curled up in a ball in the living room. I'm out in the vestibule, the girl's standing there at the door so I'd recognize her and know I was at the right house because the addresses were sketchy there and stuff to find. And she said, oh my God. She said, when you walked in the, the vestibule, I heard her say, oh no, Jesus is here. Now watch this. Every one of those girls is born again in spirit filled. Every one of those girls prays in tongues. They do. All these girls, and they love Jesus. They're the kind of girls that when they say, oh, we love you, Jesus, Jesus, we worship you, he comes. It's just, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> but when it came to her manifesting them, fear rose in them. 
One girl was pregnant and was doing the, I cast you out and command you to come out of her thing. And the girl looked up at her with a sinister look on her face and said, you ought not have said those things to me because now I'm going to kill your baby. Came right out of her mouth. Guess what happened to the girl? Total fear and intimidation. Three girls took off out the back door. Going. Now I walk in and this thing says, oh no, Jesus is here. And I'm like, <laughs> not in a bad way. I'm like, oh my goodness. Not in a bad way, Morgan. Cut me a break on this one, please. It was like, I just stopped in there. I'm, oh man, I am on it. Now watch. Now watch this. I know this girl. Born again. Spirit-filled, infidelity, unconfessed, condemning her, shaming her, hiding, yoking her, married, children, infidelity, sexual sin, unconfessed, and now this thing somehow has her. You say, well, God has her. She's filled with the Spirit of God. This thing has her. She doesn't even know what's going on. After this was over, she didn't even remember nothing. This wasn't oppression. This was possession. I went over and I said, hey, you, and I called her by name. So I want you to sit up and look at me. I never did this before. It's my first time. <laughs> but I honor that word, and I'm not afraid. I'm not presumptuous and arrogant and cocky. I just believe God. And that's a big deal. And I remember... <laughs> saying, honey, I need you to look at me. Sit up and look at me. And I'm talking to the girl. and Because I'm not thinking to hold any conversation with no devil. They're liars, by the way. Yeah. So this stuff that says talk to the devils, what? they're liars. <laughs> so uh, I said, why won't you look at me, hon? Curled up in a ball, shaking, said, you look just like Jesus. <laughs> I was so pumped. I was like, I was like, I ought to. He's in me. This is this is the plan <laughs> created in His image. So I was so stoked. So now I'm like, I'm like, really, I'm like, this thing is history, and it just gave itself away, and it and it built confidence in me. So I said to it, I said, Well, listen, you're coming out of her, etc. Right out of her mouth. Oh no, I'm not. I've been here a long time and I ain't going anywhere. Right out of her mouth. And I'm thinking, pal, you just said Jesus is here and I look like Jesus. You're done because he's in me and he's going to smote you. That's what I'm thinking. So I said, you spirit, you come out of her now. I command you in the authority of Jesus' name. And I did all I knew to do. I started to tell her to leave. This girl sits up on the floor, leans her head back with her eyes closed and is laughing like a hyena. Just hysterically laughing in my face. <laughs> I tell you what, that stuff tries to take you back about 20 feet. Because <laughs> it's laughing and here's what it said. Here we go again. How many times do I have to go through this? And I'm thinking, <laughs> now I'm mad. Now I'm just mad at it. I just want to pop it. <laughs> that doesn't do nothing. And in my mind and heart, I'm having counsel with God. And I'm like, Lord, it's all Jesus in me. It's the finger of God that casts out spirits. It's not technique. It's the finger of God. It's the anointing. 
And I said, I don't know where to go from here, but I'm going to just keep telling it to leave because that's all I know. And right then, you'll like this, Dean. Right then the Lord said, I don't know why we're on the song testimony thing, but it's just to show you there's, there's things that are spontaneous in the moment. They're not methods. They're through relationship. He said, I want you to sing this song. And I don't even know if you know the song because this was years ago. It was 14 years ago or so. It's you make me lie down in green pastures. You make me wanting for nothing. You fill my hunger with honey from your sweet, sweet word. And you let me worship. Who's ever heard that song? Psalms 23. Ooh, it's a good song. I like it. I'll sing it now and then. (laughs) You know It's just beautiful. Guess what it was? Guess what that song was? Her favorite song. Is that sweet or what? I'm less than a year old in the Lord. The thing sees Jesus in me, recognizes Jesus in me, acknowledges that, and yet I'm just doing my best technique to get it out, tell what the Word told me, but for some reason... At that point, there was no seemingly thrust, authority, or pow. And I'm asking God, what's going on? I don't understand. I'm innocent. I'm pure here. I just, man, this thing's got to come out of her. This ain't right. And I'm having this counsel in my heart. And this thing's laughing at me like a hyena. And how to try to get to taking it personal. And then you get in a fight with the devil. And you're just, yeah, it ain't going to leave. I'm singing this song, and here's what I realized happened. She hadn't prayed in tongues for two, two and a half years. She had no communion with God because she was under a yoke of shame. She was grayed out spiritually. And that was her favorite song in the Lord. And when I was singing it, she, her eyes rolled up and she looked like she was in a comatose state. And I was pushed her up on the couch. We got her up. I set her on the couch and I'm singing. And she's just like... And right in the middle of the song... It's hilarious. She went, this is not working. (laughs) Exactly what happened. His mean and mad eyes this big. She's like, yes. And she goes, this is not working. I thought, this is so working. You make, I even just sang a little better. (laughs) Here's what happened. Here's what happened. That song activated her heart in the Lord. It got a godly sorrow working in her where she, in her heart, faced the infidelity, faced how she had been backslid, faced that she needs time to be loved by God. And, 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 and somehow, something happened in repentance on the inside of her. Something happened. I never had to tell the thing to leave. It just left. While, while she said this is not working, she didn't say that. It was that spirit. She went back into that state. I just kept singing. All of a sudden, she started crying, crying. She opened her eyes. She looked at me. I said, hey, honey. Kissed her on the cheek. I said, pray in tongues with me. When's the last time you prayed in tongues? She said, I can't remember. It's been years. I said, pray in tongues. And I started praying. She said, praying. And the Spirit of God came on her. Just embraced her like a father. But that thing just left. 
when her heart shifted like that. It was so amazing. Now you have to be careful when you tell these stories because then you say, well then, unless somebody's hard and if they're not ready to be free, da-da-da-da-da. And then we give the devil all kinds of permission to remain. No, 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 no. Because some people are so consumed, so possessed, they have lost the ability to even rationally function, make decisions. They are in prison. That's why that will thing can be right. In some cases. But you have to be careful that you don't make it an acceptable doctrine. Because the will thing, only God knows their capacity to will and determine justly. The only reason they think and feel some of the things they think and feel is through the pain, through the uncertainty, through the longevity of the crisis. They can't see them. They've lost the ability to see themselves well. And they just want to die. Well, that wouldn't be free will. That's will in bondage. You following me? So be careful with that whole will thing. Go ahead, Mary, now get you. That, that pretty much what you just said about not being able to see themselves right. well because he's a type of man that is just very, very free-spirited and active all the time. And it's like in the natural, right. he had full knowledge that his... His body was not functioning. Right. And when when I when we were in there praying for him, he had the most beautiful skin color I have ever seen in that. Right. In all the years I've known him, he was he was glowing like you were talking about. Right. He was just absolutely glowing. And like I said, you know, being a nurse aide and everything, I, I was like checking for all for any kind of symptom that would even remotely say he's going home. You know, because there's a lot of times there's what they call modeling with it. Right. You know. Yeah. And, and there was none of that. He had beautiful skin. And, you know, the tears run down his face and we're praying for him. And we're like, you know, we love you, man. Jesus loves you. And one of the first things they said he did when, when the first initial stroke happened was he grabbed his rosary and he kept confessing his sin and going to the rosary and all that, you know. And, and I'm like, I'm glad that, you know, he stayed hooked up. Yeah, no, I'm getting an understanding of the Lord. And I love that scripture says, you know, this is eternal life, this is knowing God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so, like, that morning, his daughter walked into the room. He pulled the leads off. She looked at him and she said, Dad, it, it, kind of like that story, you know, like, it, it, if you're wanting to go, it's all right. He's gone less than five minutes. Right. And, and I, I just totally believe, like, looking at him, like, he was like... He looked absolutely fine. There was a peace of God. All I'm saying and what Mary's saying is you and I's position is this. It doesn't change, God. Yeah, not to, not to shift because of that because you don't know where that will's coming from. Right. If, that, if that's because he's incapacitated, he doesn't have the ability to function the way he did and he's only relating to his will to live to the way it's been, then the power of God so supersedes that. Yes. Do you understand? So what I'm saying is, don't you and I, it's the same It's the same exact principle as this. Believing it's the will of God to heal, period. Amen. You have to stay so locked into those things and you're representing that truth. It's a yes and amen. It's a yes and amen. It's a God will. It's a God wants to, God will. You know what I mean? And you can't start opening up, well, unless they don't want to be healed. Well, you got to want to be free. I hear that in the church all the time. Well, be careful. People would have to want to be free. People that are in bondage don't even have the capacity to desire. They don't even know whether they're coming or going half the time. And we're telling them it's responsible. They're responsible for wanting to be free. Some people don't even know they're bound. 
come on, we're getting way too weird with this. You show me one person, Jesus said, you know, that was demon-possessed, said if they wanted to be free. You're not, here's what people do. They'll talk to a demon-possessed person that's manifesting and say, honey, do you want to be free? No, just leave me alone. Look, I can't help them. They don't want to be free. And all it is is the devil just saying, no, I don't want to be free. See, this might not fly too well, but I'm I'm going to share this, all right? (sighs) I'm in trouble. Demon possession... And people being oppressed by lies are two totally different things. And we've got people in the church saying, pray for me, I have a devil. No, you have wrong believing. You have a stronghold of belief and a devil has convinced you in an identity crisis and and you believe you have a devil. When you have a devil, you don't know you have a devil because it possesses you. I have never personally met a person possessed that even has any idea of what was happening or going on mm-hmm. when they got delivered. I've never bumped into one. That's true. But there's a whole lot of people in identity crisis being scammed, running around by feelings, emotions, yeah. voices, saying, oh yeah, but it's this and it's doing that. It comes and then it, it's in me. I'm telling you, I can feel it. It's in me. And, and all that is, is somebody throwing away their identity and now they're on some wild goose chase, devil chase. It's just symptoms, it's voices, it's impressions, it's manifestations. Demon possession is something, you look up the word possession. It, 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 it has taken over power. It owns you. It, it controls you. You're a puppet on its string. I have never, and, and the people that are possessed usually manifest when the level of the anointing or the level of truth reaches a place where it's threatened. Are you following me? That's why they cried out when Jesus walked by. That's why people get in certain service settings and, and all of a sudden manifest. Because like that girl, she wants to stay connected outwardly as a Christian. She's living under a lie. She's in infidelity. It's eating her lunch. She hasn't confessed it as sin. She's harbored it for some reason in her heart. And maybe ought towards her husband and what well, serves him right. And da, da, da. Who knows? I'm just saying there's a lot of things that allow people to hold on to stuff. But yet she's going into Christian atmospheres. But when Jesus came to a level where his anointing and his spirit was manifested, this thing in her was exposed by the light. Now, the girls got afraid. After that girl got free, the pregnant lady, she came over and said, I am so convicted today. She said, we're all spirit-filled. We're all Christians. We all pray in tongues. And yet this thing, we had no authority over it. And she said, I am here. And she said, when it spoke to me, fear came over me. And she said, it actually, it intimidated me. And I realized that this thing is more than just our Bible knowledge and doing our little Bible studies. And I was like, whoa, yeah, it was very powerful what she said. I said, are you still afraid about what she said about the baby? And tears filled her eyes. I said, honey, we need to pray your baby will be fine. And she had a totally beautiful, precious baby. But who knows, that's how things work. All of a sudden, you fear your pregnancy. All of a sudden, you're only praying because of what the devil said. Next thing you know, you have your baby and something's, something's not right. Why? Because you've been sitting on fear ever since you've been intimidated. And then the church says, why would God let that? And wonder why God... And it gets so muddy because we're called to have authority. We're called to subdue. We're created in his image. Do you get it? It's a big deal. But the oppression and the possession thing, I believe, is very confused in the church. I get 
Countless phone calls. You have no idea. Countless phone calls and emails. I need Pastor Dan to pray for me. I have a devil. I get it all the time. I get it on my recorder. Please, you have to pray for me. I'm suffering. I have a devil living inside of me. I can feel it crawling around in me. I hear that all the time. And I have to walk them through and talk to them and get truth in it and pray. People that are possessed, the Satan is a snake in the grass. He's not running around saying, here I am, this is what I'm doing. Hey, over here. He's a deceiver. But I tell you, he loves to mock the image of God. People are made, he loves to mock people made in the similitude of God and get them to chase after him and all this crazy stuff. You'll find that most of the time there's insecurities, trashed identity, hidden sin, shame in the people that are experiencing these things and the devil's just just tormenting them to no end. And their answer is, I'm possessed, I need set free. No, your identity has been lost and it needs found. Who you really are in him. Serious. This identity is the biggest issue. It's not even ministry most of the time. It's getting truth into people. We are on a ministry craze in the church and we need to back off and get back into truth. You, you can tell that we're lacking truth because the average Christian doesn't experience even daily joy. I'm not being mean. The average Christian doesn't even understand daily joy in the Lord. Now, I'm not pointing to anybody. I'm actually looking up when I talk this because I want you to think I'm talking to anybody. I'm not judging people. I'm saying at large, we prove by our lives lived and our soul condition stuff that truth isn't what dominates our lives. A lot of times it's feelings, circumstances, and all that stuff, so then we tend to approach it sensually. And I'm telling you, a sensual approach is dangerous because ministrations are a dime a dozen. And if you get trapped in a sensual place of ministry, anything can go boo and you'll call it God and people will feel things and you'll think it's the Spirit and it's a weird place. And it's not talked about enough and I don't talk about it much at all and this is dangerous even with it because it causes all kinds of things. <laughs> I'm just saying with the CD playing, is it because I'm talking real general now but people can read into what I'm saying. There's a lot out there going on that we're obliging the voice of a stranger. Because we're not pursuing truth. We're pursuing ministry. And we think that everything that speaks in that atmosphere and everything that... No, when you follow Holy Spirit, you'll bump into God. When you ask Him to follow you, you're probably out of bounds. How's that? When you're removing hurdles off of people's track of identity... You'll bump into God. When you're adding them, <laughs> it's not Jesus. <laughs> so I'm praying over John, and all of a sudden I have this mysterious revelation that when he was two years old, this happened to him, and that's why he's acting the way he's acting. That is not Jesus. How's that for a bold statement? Because Jesus is not giving natural knowledge to a man that has no knowledge of when he was two, unless he's totally free and never looks back. He's not digging up dirt. Jesus makes all things new. Yes. Yes. What hasn't the gospel taken care of 
from age two. That man died when he got born again, the two-year-old. So Jesus isn't psychologically exposing and look, but back when you were two, I had a man tell me once, the way, reason I act the way I do when I was three, I got beat for pulling a green tomato off the vine. And he believed it. And the ministers that preached that to him and ministered it to him believed it was a divine move of Holy Spirit and they were like spiritual detectives. <laughs> Serious. Their identity was wrapped in this thing. And all this man had, he didn't have freedom. He had a reason for being the way he was. That makes me cry. He didn't have freedom. He had a reason for being the way he was. Now he had a justification for his dysfunction. It, it, it gave him permission to remain the same even though he didn't like it but at least he had a reason why and one day God will set me free and at least God's working on me. I promise you the Spirit of God, you can't prove to me scripturally the Spirit of God is digging up something that happened to John or, or this fellow that I'm talking about when he was two or three and he has no knowledge because I said, do you remember? Oh, I don't have any idea. And in my heart I want to cry. Because there's no way God is digging up stuff, exposing it. God is way bigger than that because He knows the weakness of our minds. And He knows that then we have to deal with that natural knowledge. Whoever just heard a little line of gossip and then you had to deal with it? You think God is telling you something about your natural dad and something atrocious He did when you were two and expecting you to handle that natural knowledge? If God would do that, He would go... And you would never think about it again and be free. He's not tempting you. This is a touchy topic. I, I usually don't come out this point blank and talk about it, but for some reason I'm here. <laughs> I had a lady in our church come. She was going through these types of ministry and she had a blowout and she started cursing the F word at the ladies in the church in the back. And I'm like, whoa. I went back and said, hey, honey, don't you honey me. And everybody thought she was possessed and had a devil. No, she didn't. She had unbridled anger because she just got a permission slip for being angry through ministry and some disclosed thing that happened when she was like being born. She's supposed to be born again. So why are we talking about when she was born? If she's born again, why don't we talk about born again? So I walked her down the parking lot and she's effing, effing me. You don't understand. You have no idea how to minister. You, you aren't schooled in deliverance. That's what she was telling me. I went to these people and they figured out what's wrong with me. I'm thinking, God, whack her, please, because she's in trouble. I'm not thinking in a bad way. I'm thinking, you need to touch her today because she's in trouble. And we're walking down the parking lot and I began to cry. And I said, honey, do you honestly believe that God, bam, bam, for you to begin to stand and justify and act this way? And, and I don't believe it was the intent of these ministers to give you this kind of permission slip, but all you've gotten today is a permission slip to be vile and angry and hostile even towards people that love you and want to help you. She's looking at me and I took her hands and I could feel God doing something and I said about three more lines that, that only God could just come up with stuff. You know, it just came out of me and she's broke and bald. And I was able to hold her in the parking lot just pray with her. And I encouraged her that none of this knowledge has anything to do 
with who she is standing here in Christ Jesus. And I said, if you're not careful, sweetheart, you'll be looking everywhere but the truth that makes you free. Because what does any of this have to do with what he has done? And I just preached into her spirit. I'm out of touch with her today. I don't even know how she's doing, but I just trust that those seeds sit well. Do you see what I mean? But, but God is not putting hurdles on the track of men's identity. He's actually restoring our identity. He's not giving us another struggle to jump. Do you understand? Some of that stuff you can weigh just by looking at what it produces. Some of the forms of ministry that are out there. You can, you can, you can, you, I just, I'm just, I'm just saying, we're on a ministry craze and we need to be on a truth craze. That's what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. D- d- truth should be our best friend. We, we should be just holding truth so high because it makes us free, right? Since he started this school, truth has been getting bigger and bigger in John and he's been able to enter into places you've never been able to enter into and see things you've never been able to see. True? Mm. It wasn't by talking about what was wrong with him and his daddy years ago. I was talking about the daddy he has now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's truth that makes you free. You get it? And that's what faith does, guys. Faith looks beyond natural knowledge and pursues spiritual truth and receives the result of spiritual truth. That's what faith does. In the face of how you feel, in the face of what it seems. So I thought we were talking about healing. We got onto a whole bunch of other stuff. You just never know. <laughs> Mick, I've been yeah. Sorry, Mary. I just I haven't called on him, and his hand was up a while. That mutual friend of the walls up in Michigan um, was praying. He was visiting one of those people in the church. She was like seventy-seven, I think, or seventy-eight. And as he's there praying with her, she red lines and you know, all the things when the big lights went off and cold red and all that business. Nobody runs in there. They did their business for about 15, 20 minutes and decided, well, she's dead. And um, he just continued praying. And uh, they plumbed everything, and there he was, just her. You know, and they all left. And about five minutes later, he says that she sat up in bed, pulled up right, and started singing at the top of her lungs, just so she could trust in Jesus. And he, uh, he was glad, of course, she'd come up from the dead and uh, yeah. praying for a minute and he talked to her again. He, uh, and consequently, in visiting with her the next day, of course, came back to see her. But they asked him, would he please tell her to shut up? But for 48 hours straight, she said, until so sweet to <laughs> Who's back here? Yeah, you do. <laughs> I love you so much, Mary. Go first. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I, I was saying I was you talking. No, go ahead, Consuela. Either or, I'm just having fun. Go ahead. Um, I was always taught, and I hope that I'm now learning wrong, but if you were born again spirit-filled, you couldn't be possessed. So please correct me. And then what about the 
guy in the Bible that Jesus asked if he wanted healed? Is that like some totally different topic and you know, not... There, that's, that's actually, there's a lot in that. You're talking about at the pool that stirred up, the water that stirred up the pool, but that's the porches. Do you want to be made whole? It's just an excellent question. It just makes a draw on the heart of man. I've asked people, you really want to be made whole? Sometimes they say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I think I just want to. And then I'll be able to talk to them and talk through their heart and why they probably feel that way and just get a good sense of truth going in their heart. I wouldn't make much of that other than this. There's such a message at the pool of Bethesda, guys. All that man needed was help. He needed someone to help him. We have turned faith into every man for himself. If you have faith, you can be healed. That's what we've turned faith in. No, we're waiting for someone with faith. It doesn't have to be the sick person. Jesus had had the total ability to help him. He had no one to help him. Watch this. The water's stirring and people are getting in. Here's what Jesus said. Do you want to be made whole? What was his answer? I have no one to put me in. When the water stirs, somebody always gets there first. Why? Because in that day and age, it was every man for himself. If the Pharisees had the sense and spirit of God in them and the love of God in them and was caring at all about what God was doing, the Pharisees, even the people there, could have said, look, this man's been laying here longer than any of us. He was sick 38 years. Listen, the next time the water stirs, don't anyone get in. Let's get him in the water. Phew. The Pharisees could have came and just stopped everybody. Said, listen, this man has been here. It is time to see him made whole. This is Jehovah Rapha, the provision for healing under this covenant. When the water stirs, we're putting him in. All Jesus was saying is, do you want to be healed? All he was saying was, like in other words, he's drawing on his heart. All he's saying is, sir, I have no one to help me. Jesus, take your bed and walk. What was he saying? Yes, you do. I'm here. And we're the body of... And Christ in us is the... Is that big deal or what? Are you catching that right now? Or do I need to teach that out? In other words, all you need is me and I'm here. I have no one to help me. (laughs) Yeah, you do. The guy didn't even know who Jesus was. When When the Pharisee said, who healed you? He said, I don't know. Is that true? He's carrying his mat through the temple on the Sabbath and they said, hey, it's unlawful to do that. He said, the man that healed me told me to carry it. Well, who healed you on the Sabbath? I don't know. I had no clue who he was. Some man told me to get up and take my bed and I got up. Do you see the authority of the kingdom, the love of God and the power of God? Now watch. The man had certainly had the will to be healed. He, he answered in the sense that I'd love to be healed. I just can't get in the water. You can make a doctrine out of that. Wonder if the man would have said, man, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I've been like this so long. I'm laying here. I just gave up trying to get in. I, I don't even know, man. Do you think that would change the heart of Jesus? Wonder if he'd have got frustrated and said, what do you mean? Are you some kind of wise guy? I'm laying here at the pool. I can't even walk. I'd love to get in. What kind of question is that? Do I want to be healed? Why would I be here if I didn't want to be healed? He could have did that. Couldn't he? Sometimes people do that. We've seen people do that and still get healed. And then God really humbles them. 
because they don't understand. It's, it's, they're just fighting rational knowledge. So Jesus asked the question, but the message of that whole story is this. I am here to help you. You've had no one up to now to help you, but I'm here. So get up and walk. Now, who do we represent to every situation like that? We represent Jesus to that situation. Didn't he tell us to go in his name? Didn't he tell us to go in the authority of his name? So actually to follow Jesus would be to go into a situation like that and say, wow, you really want to be made whole, don't you? Oh, are you kidding? I'm so tired of this. I'm just so... Be made whole in Jesus' name. If, if we, through relationship and prayer and reading our, our Bibles, would see the relationship between him and us, and that his whole purpose is to reproduce himself in Nancy as he is. That's the whole purpose of our Christianity, to be transformed into his image and to manifest him to the world. Right? Because if that happens, we've become love. True? Oh, it's just so powerful. But we have to get back to the life of Jesus. Like, like these things that I'm talking about earlier, and I said they're really touchy, and God bringing up people's... I have been in many counseling situations where God gave me information from 10 years ago. But it was a word of knowledge and it was a gift of the Spirit and for some reason he seemed to believe it was important and you see amazing fruit when that stuff happens. Like, man, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going on but I'm seeing you when you were this age and, because who knows there is psychological effects to stuff. And God has the ability to boom. But watch this. I will never, because that happened in the Spirit, never turn that into a method of ministry and then probe for those things. That, to me, is out of bounds. We're not called to ask Him to follow us. We follow Him. So if I'm being led by the Spirit and I'm counseling you in truth and all of a sudden I hear the name Bob... And I say, John, the whole time we're talking, I keep hearing the name Bob. Why am I hearing Bob? What does that mean? And he goes, <laughs> and then he shares just the deep heartbreak of Bob in his life and how he's never gotten over it. That, who knows that's cool if Holy Spirit wants to do that. Seeing somebody when they were six years old, and, 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 and but see, when you, when you get a word of knowledge and, and when you're ministering truth like that and that happens, it's, it's happened on a handful of occasions, a lot of times with unforgiveness and even a person's name. Now watch, what we do is we see the deliverance that brings and we think that is so cool and wow, the gifting and the word that we pursue those things and then we probe for... Un well, who do you have unforgiveness? Who do you have unforgiveness for? We're not seeing the results, so then we start doing the resume of questions, and then we do the background checks. I'm not big on background checks. I don't see them in here. One of the first times it happened to me, I saw a man. It was a husband and a wife. They were, they, they were so mad. I took them to the nursery to act like kids, because I used to prophetically take everybody to the nursery, because I figured if we go to the nursery, we'll all be like children. <laughs> and I used to just go right in the nursery and lounge on the children's furniture, and that's where I would do my intense counseling in the nursery. There was a reason. <laughs> and uh, she sits over on this side on a rocker. This is exactly how it was. He's over here like this. And I'm sitting in the middle. And they're at opposite ends and won't even look at each other. And they called me for an appointment. And I'm like, I said, guys, I really need you to, to, to yield and work with me here. We got to get some resolve. Come on. They did, acted like I wasn't even there. They would just, 
standing their ground. Didn't realize how foolish they were looking. I actually asked them if they were born again. I said, because you're not acting like it right now. And I need somebody to cooperate, please. They didn't budge. I said, Lord, something's desperately wrong and I need help because I just want to cancel this and tell them, look, you guys, I mean, you're just, it's not even about each other. It's about your own life and your own heart before the Lord. I was going to really reprimand them. And all of a sudden, I got a picture of a 12-year-old boy in New York. And, and I just knew it was New York and he was crying, Mommy. 12 years old. I knew he was 12 when I got his picture. It's the stuff the Spirit does. And I said, hey, man. Why do I see a 12-year-old in the streets of New York crying, Mommy? Guys, he looked at me, his eyes almost popped out of his head. I've never seen a grown man cry like that in my entire life, ever. His mom was a heroin addict, took him out in the street and lost him in the crowd. She died on the streets, a heroin addict. He never saw her again. His aunt and uncle took him in. He was so ashamed of what happened to her that they kept it a family secret. His wife didn't even know the story of his mother because he was trying to protect her integrity. As a son, he was so ashamed that he had a heroin drug addict mom that dumped him on the streets. So he married a woman about seven years older than him, eight years older, and treated her like a mom more than a wife. And she, her whole beef walking in the room was, I'm so sick of this. I'm not his mother. I'm supposed to be his wife. And she's just mad. She doesn't even know what's going on. He doesn't even know what's going on. But God the Holy Spirit showed me that for a big reason to release mercy in her and to get him out from under this secret because as long as you're under this secret it has influence and voice in your life you should have seen that man cry he cried so hard it, it, it was unbelievable and it was hard to watch like wheezing and couldn't even breathe and bawling and when he finally got himself together well she Here's what happened to her. She's sitting there like this when he starts bawling and she goes. That's what happened. When he started to cry in a broken voice and tell the story, I'm bawling, she's bawling so hard she can't hug him enough because mercy came into her. And she was able to see past every one of his weaknesses because she understood the bondage and understood and mercy flooded her. <coughs> now see, that's a gifting. Yes. Yes. That's not troubleshooting or fishing. Right. Yes. That was a gifting that was totally anointed by God that brought amazing victory. And it didn't... We, well, I'm not being crude right now. We didn't need another session. And like, again, next week, and you'll need this for a year, and maybe we'll be free. I could tell you a lot of those kind of stories. What we do is we take those stories and turn them into a method of ministry. And then we reverse the process and ask Holy Spirit to come with us. We follow Him. And if He doesn't mention a word about unforgiveness in a person, if he doesn't mention a word about any of that stuff, then all I know is the finished work of Christ and his love for them and I stand in that place of faith. And I'm good with that. That's all I know. 
I don't want to know anything else. I'm just talking. You don't have to even embrace what I'm saying. I'm just telling you that's where I live from. That's my heart. And I could be challenged with that all day long and people could challenge me with their results and all that stuff. All I know is I'm following the life of Jesus the best I understand. And if I can't find it in his life, I'm not going to find it in mine. You follow me? What I see in his life is an amazing identity of knowing where he came from and knowing where he's going and knowing who he is and uncompromised, unfailing love that always brought forth the good. (laughs) And I just honor Jesus. So I got on a lot of stuff there. We probably need to take a little break. I don't know. I got on a lot of mixed topics. But even that Hansel Gretel story of mom losing her son in the crowd, as phenomenal as that sounds, Holy Spirit doesn't want you to make that a technique for the next counseling session you do. Honestly, I don't even look for those things I'm in a position in my relationship with God that if I need to see him he'll show him to me because I don't, I don't want to probe I don't want to get solical I don't even want to start well you know Morgan is there possibly maybe this you know how about this and all of a sudden I'm feeling like hey I'm trying to make it like I'm touching her in God or being led a little by the spirit and then she's like thinking man this must be God and you know I respect Dan and he must be hearing something and that's what we do to each other and then they're trying to make it fit. Because <laughs> they respect the person that's sharing it and they're trying to make it fit and come up with something. If it's God, <laughs> you'll know. He's not playing charade. When I said, why do I see a 12-year-old in New York? He didn't go, hmm, well, you know that could be... Well, maybe that means... So we're not sitting there trying to figure out the word. <laughs> I've seen that plenty of times. And then the minister pushing the word and the person trying to make it fit. Now, when God does that stuff, it's on purpose, it's on target, and it's backed by God. Make sense? So all we know is establishing people's identity, telling them who they are. Because honestly, we've heard this scenario before. Well... You clean somebody, you get somebody clean and swept and unoccupied. It says that the spirit goes into arid places, comes back and says, man. And he finds the place clean, swept, and unoccupied. You say, well, that's just not born again. That's just not, no, I don't believe it means that at all. Void of truth. Not filled with truth. So if she's not feeling well today, and, and doesn't know why, and she's having some manifestation of something, and I just say, be at peace, and be free, Sharon, and be filled with God's Spirit. And she goes, oh, thank you, Dan, that's awesome. And all day she feels great. But there's no building of truth, no counsel and impartation of truth, of, of a new perspective. All of a sudden, life's getting her a certain way this way. Who knows that that's going to keep happening? All of a sudden, she's clean, she's swept, Unoccupied, same access, dwelling place. In fact, hey, let's just really come in. And all of a sudden, it seems like the state of that person can be worse than before, it says. The occupying, I, I firmly believe, it's, 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 it's replacing every lie with truth. It's building people up in Him. In the ministry that we do nowadays, I hear very little gospel preached. Very little finished work of Christ. Very little who we are because of Him. 
very little your righteousness, uh, reckoning yourself dead to sin, you're loved by God. Uh, I, I, I hear a lot of sermons. I hear a lot of sermons on the glory. I hear a lot of, and I'm not naming ministries right now in Hollywood. It's, it's just a lot of stuff out there. I, I actually, I've never had cable in my entire life, but when they went to that digital thing, I, I lost all my channel. I didn't even have a local news channel because I didn't get a converter thing and we had such old stuff. And I'm like, and we just decided we got the bare minimum basic package of a bunch of junk channels is what it is. It's like, what are we doing? It's just, we got a local, this channel and that. And, and uh, but, but I thought, well, it's good. I got all these Christian stations. And I'm not being mean and please don't hear me arrogant. I, 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 I have a hard time watching. It's, it's, I'm not even, I don't even hear the gospel. I'm not naming ministries and stations, but I'm not, I just, it's, it's all about ministrations and the glory. Even when it's a spirit-filled setting, it's usually about the mystical. And, and I'm not against that. I, 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 I'm not against that. But I'm just so for truth. And what I see is a body bouncing. I get tons of emails and phone calls, and all the people are lacking is the knowledge of who they are because of Him. That's all they're lacking. And yet they want you to pray so they feel better. They want you to pray so this. They want touched by God in this way. Pray because I was at a service six weeks ago. And man, God touched me like that. And I just need touch like that again because man, that just put things in line for me. I just feel like life's been eating my lunch a little and I need touch like that again. Could you pray for me that way? I hear that kind of stuff at home. And I'm like, no, no, I can't help you. <laughs> That's what I tell them. <laughs> no, I can't help you that way. But if you'll consider this, we can go this way. And then I'll give them truth. You know, I've had a lot of people that don't want truth. Look, are you just going to pray for me? I just need touched by God right now. I just need to feel peace, okay? Could you just pray for me? Look, are you going to pray for me? I was out of town three, four months ago, and a lady got frustrated at the altar. And I started talking to her when her prayer request came out. And she said, you're not going to pray for me, are you? Look, I don't need counsel. I need prayer. I said, no, honey, you really need counsel right now. Honestly, you don't need prayer. You need counsel. You need some understanding. <sighs> Look, I don't need counsel. I don't need someone to lecture me right now. I just need a breakthrough. And she's just frustrated. I'd do a person like that an injustice if I just go with the flow. Next thing you know, she's just, ah, like she's okay. And six weeks later, she's back at the altars. Nothing's changed. So, I, uh, not always agreed on on that topic, but but have a clear conscience in what I'm doing there. Uh, had a lady say, I just want to feel the love of God. And the way she said it and where she was coming from, I looked at her and smiled. I was in Oklahoma. I said, honey, I wouldn't do you that in service. I said, it's time for you to believe he loves you. That's where you're at in your life right now. You've been chasing after his love and it's right here in front of you. His name is Jesus. She's going, well, but if you, but if, yeah. and she started talking about ministers and anointing and people slain. And if you would just touch me in that power, I'll be changed. I say, honey, if you'll just believe God, you'll be changed. He already loves you. If you need to feel He loves you, you're in trouble. I'm setting you up for a long, hard ride. People don't understand that. Sometimes we just think it's, be free. Y'all all right? Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a little break.
We'll come back. Bless you guys. When I used that illustration, she felt like I, I was sounding contradictory, like, you know, the will doesn't matter, but sometimes God lets people die. That was not my intention in sharing those two stories. To me, it seemed that way. When I heard that story, I'm like, man. And what I was using that story for, no matter what it seems, I can't let that build a doctrine in me that makes exception for God's will to heal. And that's, that was what I was trying to convey. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was troubling her that I even used the phrase, I believe, that it, it seemed that way. But I'm being honest. To me, it did seem that way, even though that's the last thing I'm believing and going after. So what I was sharing with Alon on the break is, the reason I use that illustration is when I go into a situation, I can't let those experiences and whatever seems to be have a voice. I have to let the finished work of Christ and the Word of God have the voice. Do you see what I'm saying? Because it's just too easy to start painting scenarios and pictures and past testimonies and start, everybody has experiences. And when you start teaching these things, you, you'd be amazed when I travel and I teach certain things, then people come up and they crowd around at the end and they'll say, yeah, but what about this? I had a friend that this. And well, we had somebody and we prayed for in this and they share all these scenarios of things and ask you to address that. And it's like, whoa, you can't address based on everybody's different scenarios and the way they're conveyed and interpreted. And so the reason I actually used that, that it wasn't my intent. So if it, if it unsettled her, it might have done that to somebody else. Unless you're just unique. <laughs> we love you. No, it's very possible that other people might have thought that sounded contradictory. I didn't mean to be contradictory. What I'm trying to say is this. No matter what that scenario seemed like, I can't let that build an acceptance in me to just let it up to what people say and feel in their time of crisis. I can't give exception to just say, well, if they don't want to, if it's not their will, because you don't know where their will's coming from. I thought we established that part clear. But I wasn't sharing the story to compromise or, or, or as if you know there was a compromise in the story that no matter what that story seemed like, I have to be careful. I don't build a doctrine and, and build on them ex- two experiences because there's like three more and start building on those experiences and then go into a room with that in the back of my mind thinking, well, I'll do this, but you know, if they don't want to be, they're not going to be. That's what could happen to us. That would be deception. Utter deception. Okay? So I didn't share those story, that story. I shared that story because as, as real as it seems like it's making a certain message, you can't let it subvert your faith and belief that it's God's will to heal, period. Period. Does that make sense? You all okay? Okay, Mark? Well, when you talk about God's God's will is always to heal, and I believe it is. It's like it's always my will that my children obey me, but they don't always do it. But it's always my will that they would. Um, then you get into the, the concept of um, is God sovereign? Does He control everything and all that kind of stuff? And I've, seen, I've heard you address that before, but I think that's really important in this whole thing about how much is in our hands versus in God's hands. And that, I think that's an important concept. Well, I'm pretty aggressive on my answer in that. I feel like uh, Jesus has made that very clear. He actually said, I give you all power over all the power of the enemy. I, he gives us authority. He gave us the kingdom. The kingdom rules. So I actually personally believe without taking some overbearing responsibility... I believe this thing has been given to us, the kingdom, and I believe we're called to represent Christ in every situation. I I actually believe very little 
has to do with God at this point. That's what I personally believe. Hmm. And that's a huge that's a huge change for well most of the But here's what happens. If you make it God, then it's always gonna and I'm not I'm not saying this in a rude way, it's gonna cop us out and back us out without intentionally having excuses, we're gonna have reasons for not seeing results. That's exactly right. And we're just gonna have a whole list of why it doesn't happen. And and in that place, watch what you do in that place, you totally lose sight of faith. You, you have no faith. You've reduced the gospel to a method. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Let's pray and see. That's what we do. And that, the church has been paralyzed there, virtually, for generations. You follow what I'm saying? Because we were going to look at scriptures here about God giving us the kingdom. And he says in Luke 10, he says, I, he's saying to John and Dean, he's saying, I give you authority. The word is, is authority. In your translation, it might just say power. It says, I give you power to tread upon serpents, upon scorpions, Dean and John, over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Do you see why identity is important and living free from fear? Do you know that most Christians feel vulnerable living in the world? Because the revelation isn't living in the kingdom, they're living in the world. And newspaper articles can eat your lunch and just one little tidbit of natural knowledge can supersede spiritual truth. And most Christians, the things, I, I believe this with all my heart, I've been seeking the Lord on this actually and the word I keep getting is vulnerable. My people feel vulnerable to the world they live in. They feel vulnerable to disease. They feel vulnerable to plagues. They feel vulnerable and they feel like they have to pray to be protected when they're already in me. A lot of our prayer is a sign of being vulnerable. You don't have to pray about something that you're not vulnerable to because it's already done. Paul got bit by a viper. He didn't pray. He didn't have a prayer meeting. He shook the thing off of his hand and kept talking. Now, if a snake, if a viper would crawl in here and slide up here and bite one of us in the leg, some of us that didn't even pray in tongues would be trying. Because you would be afraid they're going to die. Because natural knowledge says you get bit by a poison snake, you're in trouble. So when the natural knowledge meets spiritual truth, you'll find what you're seated in more. That's why we need a revelation. Because spiritual revelation, spiritual knowledge has to trump this natural stuff. Look, when somebody's dead, they're dead. But the gospel doesn't seem to honor that. But when somebody's dead, they're dead. You're done, dead, done, dead. But when you're God, resurrection power, resurrection life, when you stop the funeral of a widow's son, it doesn't seem to matter to, to spiritual truth that he's dead. And this is stuff that doesn't make us fanatical. It's stuff we need to look into and be formed in because that's where the power of God's going to be found. And it's not about just trying to put on a show and bust into the morgue and raise the dead. It's spiritual truth that overtakes natural understanding and it rises above and it's the spontaneous result. Jesus didn't build himself up to stop that funeral. To him, it was the natural thing to do. Do you agree? He looks and he sees a widow and her son, knowing if she's a widow, it wasn't long ago, it was her husband. And now it's her son. So the husband, and now the firstborn probably, the inheritant, the, the inheritor, just the mercy, the compassion of God, mercy towards the woman, the, the son, there's all kinds of stuff involved there. It's the whole picture. None of it's God, the fact that they're all dead. 
And he walks over there and he raises the boy up. It was the natural thing to do. You get it? But to us, when you're dead, you're dead. So now they're dead. Now we're trying to raise the dead. And it, they're dead. And need them live. And, ah, and we're doing stuff. And life. And speaking. And we're listening to testimonies. And saying stuff. You'd be amazed how much we're trapped in methods. And trying to get this thing to work. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that the gospel works when revelation rises in the spirit. And takes over natural knowledge. Yeah. And it's through relationship. It's through knowing Him. I'm just convinced of that. Uh, how many of us have tried to apply promises in the Scripture to our situations and not seen anything move like a lot? <laughs> True? That's, that's a, that's, that's all of us, if we were honest, would raise our hands if we spent time praying. It's, it's about a revelation. But the Lord had showed me this, that, that, that many of us feel vulnerable. So what Mark's saying is very important because when we just say it's God, well, God chose, well, God wills, well, God sovereignly this and that, then, then we're absolutely handing the kingdom he gave us back to him and saying, look, it's in your hands, you're God. We think that's the humble thing. A lot of men's minds think that's the humble thing to say, well, he's God, whatever he wants, whatever. He already proved what he wanted through Jesus. He already showed us by sending his son in the likeness of flesh, baptizing him in water, putting the spirit of God upon him, and then telling us to follow him. He already showed us what he wanted. He showed us when he created man in his image and said, subdue the works of my hands. So see, when Jesus came, he came to restore that which Adam lost. So now it's back to Genesis before sin, subdue the works of his hands. So to do that, he gives us the kingdom and he gives us authority over his name, uh, of his, the authority of his name over all things, over every name. And he tells us this, to never worry and never fear. And the two things that dominate the lives of Christians are fear and worry to prove that we have a very low revelation of who we are in Him. doesn't mean we don't love Him. It doesn't mean we're not sincere Christians. It doesn't mean we're not born again. But it does mean our identity has been in crisis and the foundation of fear is not what releases the power of God. It's the foundation of love. Rooted and grounded in love. It says the sower sows the word. There's people that just go, huh? Right? Huh? And it says it's quickly gone. Right? They're not even going, huh, anymore. It's like it's just snatched away. And then it says there's people, stony ground, there's no root in them. And, and the heat of the day, the pressures of life, not rooted in ground love. Boy, I thought you loved me. Man, I thought this was good news. Well, this ain't going like I thought. They turn self, self word, inward, all this stuff. There's thorns, desires, pleasures, things choke out. There's, there's all conditions and things of the heart that determine how the Word is seated and growing in a person's life. Isn't that amazing? But in that whole picture, guess who's the same? And guess whose will's the same? Guess whose intent and desire is the same? See, we've made God, we've put God as almost He's some big mystery. And there's a mystery side to God. He's unsearchable. In his wisdom, so that's what makes him God. So, but it's the joy is the many falseted side of God keep flashing and revealing and showing, right? So there's a mystery side in that way, but really the cat's out of the bag. The mystery's revealed. Paul writes the mystery's revealed. The truth about who God is is made known through Christ. The truth about who we are is made known through Christ. And where it all sits now is revealed through Christ. We're the body of who? 
If we're waiting on God, why is He telling us to go whatever city we're in and heal the sick there? If we're waiting on God and God, it doesn't say as, as long as I choose to heal. He's telling us wherever we are, heal the sick. Why? Because we're supposed to know the kingdom's come. We're born again. We're transformed. We're brought back to original value. The Spirit of God is in us. This thing is back to the beginning. You get it? He's telling us that. Why? If it's just about God, why would we lay our hands on the sick? And they recover. It actually doesn't even say pray. It just says lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. That means you could be on a bus and understand what we're saying and not just be doctrinal and intellectual and just trying to do this stuff. You could be on a bus and somebody's hacking and, and, and wheezing and you say, hey man, and you just rub their shoulder and they go, what? Yes. That's awesome, ain't it? You felt that leave you, didn't you? Yeah, what in the blank? Did, what? Listen, man, it's the kingdom. Jesus, I... I I could tell you a lot of testimonies. I don't tell a lot of personal testimonies a lot because the tendency is... Actually, I, I think my biggest challenge and struggle is I, I don't ever want to back off because there's so much more for me to grow and I am so far from where I'm called to be. There's things that aren't happening that need to happen. At the same time, I've been privileged to experience a lot of stuff. And there's a paradox when you experience a lot of stuff because if people aren't experiencing a lot of stuff and you are, you tend to... Kind of be an example of certain things. So that and I am like, so I need to grow so much. But in that one topic there, I can tell you a story. That I was just saved uh, a while. And I was around a man. And I was on a job. And he, was, he had the flu. And I didn't say one word about Jesus. Not one word. Because I was on the job and they were training me. And I was just listening and being a good student. Like you all are. And... <laughs> listening being good students and the, the, the supervisors came to take this man home because he wouldn't leave I mean he's got serious flu symptoms he's white he's pale he's weak but he's trying to be faithful and do the job because this flu is going around and they're trying to get this business up and running in this new warehouse and, and I had done this job for 15 years which put me in a place of humility because this guy training me did the job about two and I did it 15 and it's not like you sit there and say well what are you going to teach me so I'm just they, they, I'm laying so low on these people right because everything he's telling me I could teach and I'm just going along and they came to get him and they said man you don't look too bad in fact, you look a whole lot better, man. We came to send you home. We were going to take you home because you shouldn't be in here, we were figuring. And this was the higher upper guys. He said, no, I've been feeling good, man. He said, I can't explain it, but it's that guy. <laughs> Pointed right to me. I'm on the job with a team of eight coworkers. And I'm just there. And I didn't realize he was standing around me the whole night near me. He said, it's that guy right there. I can't explain it, but the more I stand around him, the better I feel. I've noticed it in the beginning of the night, and I've been hanging beside him all night, and the more I stand around him, the better I feel. I smiled and said, I can explain. That's exactly what I did. I said, guys, I can explain. This is simple. And they're like, what? So then I got to preach the gospel, and they're like, oh, my God. Because on my orientation, I, I just told him I was in love with Jesus and he saved my life. And that's really the scoop about me. And they were like, oh, my goodness. And nobody wanted to be on my team. Everybody went out the other door. It was like I had a plague. But that man got healed. I never prayed. That was, I had a lady. I was at work one time. I had a lady run to me. She came around the corner and she said, oh, my, oh, my. She grabbed my hand, put it on her jaw. 
and went, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, I was being, I was so used right there. I was just like, and I could feel the Spirit of God tangibly flowing through my arm. And she was a girl that when I got saved, she got so convicted because I got on fire. And she was a confessing Christian kind of living in the closet. And she was just kind of getting through and she wasn't seeking hard after God, but she had everything that's alive in us in her spirit. And she got convicted by my life. And it was a good thing. It was positive. And she's doing well and she's, she's in the Lord. I bump into her every once in a while and she's plugged into a local church and she's doing good. But that night, she was leaving with an abscess. And it was, it was draining into her bloodstream, they said, because of the way it was starting to get her. She was holding off, not, and, 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 and it wasn't, didn't want to get anything done. And it, they, they started telling her on the phone, you need to get in here right away. If that stuff hits your bloodstream and goes to your brain and da-da-da and you will die. And, and she's like, oh. <laughs> so she's ready to leave work. Now watch what she did. She's ready to leave work. Who knows she has the ability in grace to receive the love of God and to receive from God. So we're not judged whether that's happening or not because it says if any among you are sick, let them ask. So there's a place where you say, man, you know, I just want to grab somebody that I know believes like I'm pursuing to believe and da-da-da. This is what she did. She got to the door and she went, I know Dan believes. In fact, if I could get his hand on my jaw, that abscess would go away. That's what she said. Now, she didn't tell me to pray for her. Probably good. Because I'm learning through all this. Because if she'd have said, Dan, I know you believe God, would you? I'd have tried to be a believer, maybe. Release my faith. Pray the good prayer that makes her whole. Did we ever do that stuff in our lives? Yeah. Here's what she did. She just came and used Christ in me. <laughs> and she just ran. Serious. This is, I'm not exaggerating this or even trying to make it balloon it at all. I'm working on a back dock, on a rail dock, and I'm stacking these big things. And Because and, they used to put all the big stuff back there. She'd come running around the corner and said, Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. She'd come waddling up to me, and I'm like... And she, she would walk like that. She would do like this real you know, fast. And she grabbed my hand, never said a word of what she's doing, believing, needing. She just grabbed my hand because her faith said, I see God in him. I know he knows Jesus. Not that she didn't know Jesus. She just saw him in me in a way that she was honoring. She grabbed my hand, laid it on her cheek, and started shaking, crying, going, Oh, thank you, Jesus. And I literally felt the tangible flow of God's Spirit flowing through my hand. Why? Because He lives in me. I have no knowledge of what's happening. I don't know her prayer request. I don't know nothing. But I know, and I remember feeling silly inside, and I looked up and I'm like, could you explain what's going on? I'm being used. I was like having fun with it. I, was, I did. I felt I was like, I'm being used right now. And I loved it. It was awesome. She is crying so hard. Watch what happened. The abscess went away, disappeared while she's holding my hand on her going, oh, all she was recognizing, she wasn't making me an idol. She wasn't making me an icon. She was recognizing Christ in me. Probably more so than she was feeling in herself because we tend to do that. But it was amazing how that revelation, how that faith, how when she took my hand, she was healed instantly. Now here's the cool thing. I had nothing to do with it. Watch. Like I believe we have very little to do with it, very little, in most cases. The only thing we're called to do is believe. His love for them, 
His will to heal them, and now is the time. Is that what we're called to believe? I don't know anything else that we're called to believe. We've turned it into all this stuff. We've made it so complex. Wonder if it's as simple. Wonder if that faith that she saw that caused her to grab my hand would be alive in my heart all the time to the place that I would take that same hand and just do the same thing everywhere. That's the plan. Yeah. Do you get it? That's the plan. So there's just cool stories like that. Like, lot, there's cool stories. But that was, that was really, really a fun one. And uh, let's get back to this quick. Because here, this will help with Mark. what Mark said. Because what Mark said is, is really important. Because there's a lot of that. You'll find that in the church. And it's, it's actually what puts us at odds as the body of Christ. Because we, we almost separate this into groups. It's, it's a shame. It happens. And then, and then there's animosity. And actually offense. Because of loss and certain things. And we embrace certain cliches and spiritualities to crutch up our soul in the face of pain and loss. We really do. And, and then we have this thing locked and we have it as if it was God and God's sovereignty and God's control. And then even though it's hard, we can at least accept it. And if anybody would suggest that it was just loss or it, it was through the fall or it was a lack of authority or power, that is so offensive to people that have lost loved ones. So it's very difficult. We have ourselves so boxed in now with all these cliches. It's, it's, here's how you know it's demonic. It's almost hard to preach the truth without... Oh! You get what I'm saying? He, I believe the enemy has us so solically boxed in with all our scenarios, analogies, lost loved ones, all our, st- our stories that when you hear the truth... You, you almost have to guard against it. Because if what you're saying is true then, and it unsettles all the stories and all the things we've laid as foundation. You follow what I'm saying? I, I felt almost rigid the last time I did a Saturday night down there. I just felt, I don't know, it was different. I don't know who was here, but I felt real serious, real sober, and like what I was saying was life and death. It, it, it felt that serious. It felt so sober to me. I wasn't even having fun sharing the message. It was painful. You know, and it's just, you still have to share it. But it's all I had, all I had permission to share, the things that were coming to me. And I, I didn't even like where I was. I felt like I was in a stiff place. But, but, but it was very confrontive and it, and it almost just seemed like this. And this is why it's so important not to love our own lives unto death or we'll never embrace this gospel. We'll find ourselves saying things to protect something about us instead of surrendering. We do it all the time. That's the only reason we would put it on God. That's the only reason we would put it on somebody else. Without intentionally doing it, they subtly become reasons why there's no power. And you can't find the language that we say in Jesus at all. Look, if I can't find him in one instance saying, be healed, and they're not healed, and saying, wow, you know you're going to have to take heart because God is obviously choosing not to do this. But if you could find God, Jesus, doing that one time in the Bible, then we'd have reason to say that. The reason he couldn't do that no, it's just simple. This thing, this part's simple. The reason he couldn't do that is because if he did that just one time, you could never believe according to Bible faith. Never. 
If just one time he said, uh, I'd like to, but I can't for whatever reason, then you would wonder if you go to pray here if that might not be the case. Well, if I go to pray here, well, I wonder if she doesn't fit into this scenario. Especially if you start praying and you don't see anything change immediately. Then your mind spins and tries to grab a reason why maybe not and maybe it's one of these reasons. The reason Jesus healed everybody he ever touched and the reason everybody that ever touched him was healed is so you and I would clearly know what to believe now that he's come and gone to sit at the right hand and gave us the kingdom. He made it that simple and we still fight over it based on God's sovereignty and control and choice and all that. Come on. He gave us no reason to believe anything else. The only reason we believe anything else is because of our experience or lack of experience. But if you look at Jesus' life and Jesus' message and Jesus' word, how can you believe anything else? Because Jesus never conveyed anything else, did he? So we shouldn't fight over this. We should be so humbled by this that we should pursue him all the more. And know that it's the will of God to heal and restore. Try and get this out, but it's not the reason I don't need Jesus to have shown that. And I'm okay with still saying it might, maybe it's not the Lord's will. And even though I didn't see that, it's because I don't see him. I mean, he was God. Why would he say? I mean, he would know if God was going to heal or not. And so he'd only pray when he knew God was going to heal. I don't see him as a man like me operating in the Holy Spirit. I think he's God. So, of course, it wouldn't happen to him like that because he knows whether he's going to heal or not. So that's how you grew up seeing him as God? You have to see him as a man. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. And because I don't, I wouldn't. So a lot of people say this. What Wiley's saying is, who's heard this comment before? When you start preaching the life of Jesus, they say, yeah, but that was Jesus. So that was Jesus. Who, who, what, who do you look? It's just us. Well, that was Jesus. And then the people reveal that they don't get, they're not getting the message of who we are because of him and that we're the body of. Do you realize he doesn't even say we're the body of Jesus? Christ is the anointed one. It's not his last name. It's the anointing. It's the anointed one. The one that's anointed with the ability to anoint. You can find that connotation in the whole word Christ. The anointed one with the ability to anoint. The one that's anointed with the ability to anoint. We're the body of Christ. That literally means we're the embodiment of God's power, God's anointing. Do you get that? We're the embodiment of God's anointing, God's power. And here we are waiting on God to move when He's already sent His Son, put Him on the cross, killed Him to the point of death, and then raised Him from the dead. And now we're justified and to go and live in righteousness. Do you get this? I got like hands everywhere. I don't know what to do. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, I have a question. Okay, when you're praying for people and you go down the line and Jane Doe gets healed, David doesn't, Betty gets healed, Johnny doesn't. What do you do with that? I mean, you don't feel... I don't understand that part. I don't totally understand that part either. I know this. I know this. And this is what you have to take personally. Because to try to answer all those scenarios, you'll get confused. Here's what you have to settle on. You have the grace from heaven to go down that line and touch people when they get healed. Period. That's what I'm, that's what I'm pursuing. I was just in a church. Probably 98% of the people were confessing to be healed. That was three weeks ago. Three, maybe four weeks ago. It was so fun. In fact, the way I asked, I said, Who here has received no change? Instead, usually we say, Who here is healed? 
I said, who's received no change? And about eight people out of 70 to 80 raised their hands. And I went, you guys didn't receive any change? No. I said, man, who's received like somewhat change? About seven more people raised their hand. I said, who's been completely, totally healed? And all the rest shot up their hands and they're crying and they're talking. And one man that couldn't hardly walk was out running. And there was just a lot of stuff going on. We turned and prayed for the people that didn't receive any change and told them not to switch up. What you prayed the first time is enough because it's what you believe. It's God's will. We're just going to pray again. We're not moving because it's a yes and amen. We're not shifting gears. That's another thing. When you pray and you don't see something change right away and you shift your prayers, that's not a good thing. Because that's actually a form of weakness. You're, you're actually fishing. You're actually in your soul. You're making it about what you say, what you pray. You're actually making it conditional. It's a, it becomes works. Come on, stretch forth your hand. Is what Jesus said to a guy. If his hand didn't stretch forth, what's still the command? It's not trying to gain strength now and say, Father, I just thank you that you love me and I know that I'm saved. And I thank you that your spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in me. And Father, I thank you for your righteousness. Stretch forth your hand. You know, if we do that stuff, and if you, if, you, if you seem to have to break away and encourage yourself and build up, I'm not saying it's wrong. You have to be careful that you're not making what you say the result of what happens. It's what you believe. It's what you believe. And actually what you believe will come out of your mouth. When you're praying command form stuff, it's because you believe you have that authority. There's some people that pray real long spiritual rosy prayers. When they're praying for the sick, they get real long-winded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what you believe is you're trying to win favor and find favor. And, or you've been taught certain methods and you're trying to go through that list. I won't bring up no testimonies because it gets exaggerated every time I tell it. <laughs> That's what she told me. I don't know. You were praying for like three days. <laughs> oh, it was fun. It was cute. Who watched this? She's sincere. I know her. I've gotten to know her. She's as sincere as anybody I know. Sometimes, sometimes when you're that sincere, things even try to get taken advantage of in your mind and stuff. Satan tries to play on pure people. So don't ever let him because... You're amazing. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a simple time in the mall. She was praying for lady's knee and she went on and on and on and on. And the lady's looking at me and I'm like, she took a nap in the middle and I was like, I think I went and got her lunch down at the food court and she's still praying. She ate lunch. And <laughs> Am I exaggerating the story? <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> she's so sincere. She was trying to pray everything God ever taught her, Global ever taught her, everything any book ever taught her. She was praying. She was sincere. Serious. She was praying for the lady. And the ladies looked at me. The lady actually looked at me like, oh, bless her heart. Because there was no sign of her stopping. I will say that. She was on a roll, baby. Super sincere. Nobody could deny it. But it was, she was covering bases. And I remember just saying, Alana, honey, I want you to speak to that knee right now and just say, knee, be healed. Be made whole. Pain come out. Bam. She did. And I said, sit down. Check your knee. She's like, and the lady, remember? Ooh, she's real sweet. She's like, oh, my goodness. No, I just did that. Some of it was selfish. I had to repent later because we'd still be standing there <laughs> praying because she's been well taught. She's been well taught. She was only halfway through the first manual. 
And if I wouldn't have interjected, we'd still be back there. We'd be older, but we'd still be praying. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, my goodness. She said you loosened. She loosened the lid. <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. The lid is loosened because the stones rolled away. Serious. But that stuff, that stuff that sounds right, it seems viable. But we're smashing that. We're getting it. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I have fun with that one. Because the second time I told it, I did. I had more fun with it. And I think the third time I told it, I had even more fun. And she came up to me and said, you know, this story's getting bigger and bigger. I said, yeah, I was really having, forgive me, I have having fun with it. <laughs> But I gotta tell you, because I know I was going into like all the ligaments, everything. I was, I was, I was covering everything. Oh! But the first times I ever heard him pray was be healed in the name of Jesus. And then the more times I heard him pray after this, I think it was like a Pinocchio pet. It was be healed in the name of Jesus. Every ligament. And I'm like, oh, his prayers are getting longer. <laughs> <laughs> There's a time, there's a time you command. See, you're led by the Spirit, but the key is you're saying to the mountain. There's authority. See, you don't have to get every forefather born again and righteous in the sight of God before you can pray for that person. You don't have to cover everything that your family ever did wrong. Jesus did that for us. Hello? So there is times, and, and, and there is still times where I'll just say be healed in Jesus' name. I encourage people to just pray that. Be healed in Jesus' name. I do. I encourage people to, 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 to learn to, to be, because it takes you so out of the way. And, and there's times where I'll speak to ligaments and I'll speak to things, but see, there's faith in that sometimes. You'll build a faith in certain things where you'll speak to that because you understand you have the authority to do it. When you say to that girl, kidneys, you work. Why did I say that? Because I believe with all my heart that God has given us the kingdom. I believe in all my heart that when I'm looking at her through the eyes of God and the love that He has for her, and I speak kidneys, behold, that I'm saying exactly what He's saying. Isn't that what He's saying through the resurrection of Jesus? So when I speak that, I'm speaking on behalf of Him as an ambassador of Christ. As a son. Yay! You get it? So there's times and there's faith in that. So you speak that. When you, when you're, some of these prayers that we've been taught, you've got to cover bases. You've got to ask them about unforgiveness and all that stuff. You are setting yourself up for so many conditions of why it might not happen. You have to be very careful. And she wasn't doing that. She was just actually, she was just covering bases that she was taught that she should. And she wasn't even talking to the lady. She was just covering ground. You were. You did correct me when we left. I mean, well, I talked to you about like, you know, there's no condemnation about what I'm doing. I was gracious, right? You were. And you explained to me, you know, we're, we're in a mall and people don't necessarily believe, and so just keep it short, straight to the phone. And that is all that's necessary. It might be different. You have a little more. Because there's faith. People understand. Some people might, Some people might need just the conscience of knowing that whatever their family line has done, it's been crushed through Jesus. So she could actually be praying and get that generational thing in her mind and say, listen, do you understand that, that I'm not against praying something like that to give somebody an assurance, but then I tell them, don't you ever look back. I don't ever want to hear you talk about that again. Never. I will. I'll charge somebody with that. 
I say, don't you in three weeks be saying, well, you know, my uncle was a pretty much a wretch. <laughs> well, Jesus was an amazing righteous man and he gave you his righteousness. Now let's get over uncle and know that God's grace is bigger than that. Yeah. When do you move forward? See, so there is a time where I'll, I'll say something or pray something just if I, if I feel in my heart that it's important to get somebody over a hump of wrong believing. It doesn't, that's not compromise. That doesn't, in other words, I'll say to them like, like if they're a generational curse and a, a, a hereditary condition and they're afraid of getting it. Here's what I'll do with people. Yeah, but I see it. It's tracked through. It's got my great-grandmother and it's got my grandmother and, and it's got my mother. Okay, I understand that. And I'm not making light of that. I'm not soft-pedaling that. What I'm saying is the line's been drawn through Jesus, honey. Here's all we need to pray. Father, I thank you. I'm separated and sanctified. I'm not in the lineage of my forefathers. I'm in the heritage of God through Christ Jesus. And I thank you. And, and I'll have her pray a prayer like that. But then I would look her in the eyes and say, no, I don't ever want to hear you talking about that thing again, ever. It's dead. It's done. See, what we do is, here's what we do. We don't get established in truth and we have those things lingering. They don't get crushed. And then a little symptom comes or a little feeling or a little thought and then we reverb back and we go, well, yeah, you know. Well, see, I'm not sure if that was ever really dealt with. And then we, we, here's what we're doing. You get what I'm saying? You have to be very good. See, it's faith. It's faith. It's truth. It's freedom. So we're not redigging stuff. Uh, we're at 12 o'clock. We didn't get real far, it seems, but we did, I guess. We, we just cover whatever we cover, huh, Wiley? So, but you guys all right? Tomorrow we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about this healing thing for a while probably. And there's a lot of questions. I don't have all the answers other than the one that I stick to is... It's, it's always yes, it's all the time, and yes, we have the power in us. It is the will of God to heal. And if I touch them, they ought to heal. That's I live by that. Amen. And I preach that with a passion, okay? So we'll see you all tomorrow. Bless you guys.